Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Drake turns down Grammys, Red Rock's biggest year yet. And how does Spotify Wrapped actually work? You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to episode 62 of The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Joe, with my co-host, Colin McKay, uh, lovely co-host, as Thank always. You. I didn't mean to mock you, by the way. Uh, for the audio listeners, I was uh, like bobbing my head the entire way. You just got really good at saying the same cadence for the beginning over and over. Yeah, so we now, have that radio kind of thing now. Welcome to like. WDBBQ. <laughs> yeah, like Listener-supported radio. Listener supported, right? This is listener supported. I isn't mean, it, Colin? Yeah, but isn't that such a stupid term? <laughs> I guess so. But if you want to support us more, be sure to download this episode or you can follow us Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, at the Biz Tape. Or is it is Facebook Meta now? Oh, man. Is that what it's called? At the is meta it Meta.com? No, the, it's still Facebook. Okay, it's still Facebook. Cool. Or you can email us, the Biz Tape Podcast at gmail.com. So, uh, yeah, crazy week. Crazy, crazy week. week. Uh, you know, we're talking about the Grammys and stuff. We're kind of getting ready for that. Yeah, we got our bonus episodes coming up that we recorded part one of, so that's fun. But apparently, the Grammys just keep going with stuff. Like I, I don't just I, it's, more and more controversy. Yeah, well, it's that. It's a lot of unprecedented things, to be honest with you. Um, which is like. Honestly, if you're tired of Grammy stuff, I think this might be the year for you to be interested in it because it is. There's just so much weird, like they like I always talk about the restructuring stuff, um, but there's like now even we we talked about the additional nominees mm-hmm. up, uh, and now we're going to talk about this, which has been making the rounds everywhere, which is Drake has turned down his 2022 Grammy nominations. Whoa, like entirely. So Drake and Drake's management have asked to have his two nominations removed, those being for the best out. Uh, rap album and for certified lover boy and best rap performance for way too sexy featuring future and young thug side note i don't know why it's that song people really like that song from <laughs> that album it's, and I it's hilarious it is really funny <laughs> but i'm like man okay whatever um drake basically has had a pretty big history with not being cool with the grammys i feel like you can say that about a lot of people but drake has a lot of 
very memorable quotes about being dissatisfied with the Grammys. For instance, uh, when The Weeknd wasn't nominated, which we've talked about before uh, last year at all in any of his songs or anything Blinding Lights related or After Hours related, he said on his Instagram story, quote, this is a great time for someone to start something new that we can build up over time and pass on to generations to come instead of the Grammys. (laughs) Pretty direct if you wanted even... uh, more direct stuff. We have uh, my favorite thing, which is that in 2019, when he won best rap song for God's plan, he said, quote, we play an opinion based sport and not a factually based sport. And quote, you already won. If you have people singing your songs word for word, if they're singing in your hometown, you're already winning. You don't need this right here. As he was holding a Grammy on stage <laughs> at the Grammys, he said this, and apparently you don't need this, NBC, but I'll cut, take it. <laughs> right, and according to NBC, they cut his mic off because of that. Which oh like, wow, yeah, they were not having it. Um, so yeah, he has been super vocal about like not liking the Grammys. So for him to back out now is kind of like precedented. But the actual of him backing out is unprecedented if that makes sense like, yeah it's like, oh, like nobody's really done this before right um and so it's really insane to think about it in terms of like the history of grammys like i literally the grammys were like we don't even know what to do with this which i'll get into in a minute um he also has complaints with be basically being boxed into the rap category in general uh, you know, they, I think I, I couldn't find the quote again, but he basically said, they don't know what to do with me, uh, which is hilarious to me. Um, also it's, you know, weird because people are saying like, Oh, why is he just in the rap category? Speaking of that, cause certified lover boy was such a huge smash, which mm-hmm. we talked about on the show and literally was showing everyone how Drake basically owns all Spotify numbers compared to anyone in the world. Uh, apparently there's a theory going on that while it's uncertain whether he chose not to submit certified lover boy or his other songs to the big categories, album song or record of the year, his absence from the categories seemed to suggest that he didn't. Hmm. So he like his team might've submitted it specifically to the rap category for those two categories. And then he withdrew from it. Interesting. So I don't know if it was like, maybe it was a compromise. Maybe they were just like, come on, just fucking put your name on it. We'll send it out. You don't have to deal with it. Management, like talking to Drake. Yeah. And then he was like, fine. I just don't really care. Just don't put me in the big things because I don't really want to be associated with that. And maybe that changed over time. For instance, uh, he has had a history actually of also not submitting things that people are like, why didn't this uh, get submitted for his album More Life in 2018, which could have qualified for the Grammys and was had a, a good number of like chance of actually even winning some categories, but he just didn't nominate it at all. Hmm. Um, so other than that, he, people have been trying to figure out why basically. I mean, obviously clearly he's not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> if he's on stage saying this is stupid, like while holding <laughs> the Grammy in his hand, I think he's not a fan. So maybe that's a theory. I don't know, but people are going wild with theories one that i saw that maybe has some weight about why he has so much contempt for the grammys is that he has actually not done that well in the grammys especially compared to his contemporary rapper friends yeah um drake only has four grammys wow compared to i mean and some of his peers jay-z who has 23 and kanye west that has 22 yeah and this is someone who's been topping like for the last streaming charts for the past like eight years yeah literally i've been Again, he was he's the most streamed artist out of anyone. Wow. So like it's you may understand why he might have some justification of being like, Why am I not winning these things? Maybe that's why he's so mad at it. Also on top of that, he's been nominated a bunch of times and not one. Uh he's topped five nominations in a year just twice. In twenty sixteen, he had eight nominations and didn't and and in twenty eighteen he had seven. But he only has four Grammys. Yeah. So, like, I could see maybe why he's mm-hmm. a little upset. <laughs> um, a little peeved. Yeah, little exactly. Peeved. Uh, so, yeah, it's very unprecedented. We'll go on this uh, now as the Grammys basically released a statement that I'll read only part of, but basically they said, usually when we put out the Grammy, and this is paraphrasing, they said, usually when we put out the Grammys, uh, you know, nominations, they have to change spelling stuff and name stuff, or maybe they forgot a person, you know, who should be associated, maybe like a songwriter or a producer or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they said, like, 
basically and kind of indicated that it's they're having to make these changes after the fact. There's nobody else that's going to be added to the rap category, by the way. There's only going to be four albums in that category now. Um, and they said, quote, we are making these updates public to ensure transparency and accessibility to the most up-to-date and accurate information, which is honestly one of the first times that they've done this. Usually it's kind of a closed-door thing. Like, they're just going to tell the voters, hey, don't vote for this. We're taking this away. Or they yeah. won't put it as an option on their website or something. But... Yeah, it's it's really strange. Uh, I also wanted to throw this in because I saw this, but I felt like it wasn't a big enough story to kind of be on its own. But I thought you would find it particularly interesting, and we can talk about this also. Is that Saint Vincent or Saint Vincent, Jack Antonoff, and Taylor Swift have all been removed from the sour credits of that album? Uh, to quote fit with Grammy guidelines as the Grammys wants to only award the Grammy to the active songwriters on the project, as opposed to those three that were added on uh, after Rodrigo's song, one step forward, three steps back was found to be interpolated from cruel summer, which is the Taylor Swift song that was written by those three people, Taylor Swift, St. Vincent. And yeah. They're still active songwriters. So, on it. <laughs> thank if <you>. they're named. <laughs> right. So we'll, we'll go back to that, but I wanted to throw that in there. Uh, so let's talk about Drake before we go to that. Uh, Drake, first off, Joe, do you have any theories why he's doing this? Do you think uh, like uh, there's a lot being thrown around? Just kind of like the general, like yeah, what people are you, saying. Well, yeah. What do you think? Like if you were Drake, like if you try to go in his head, like why do you think he's making such a stand against the Grammys and all that well, kind of stuff. In your opinion, I have my I don't, theories. To be honest, I don't really know. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not Drake. Uh, news to me if I am. I w- I'll wake up tomorrow, look in the mirror, and uh, there I am. I'm I mean, Drake I can now, see but. him trying to take a stand, being like, this is my moment to take a stand. Yeah, I can see that too. But, uh, you know, I also feel like it's almost like it's definitely a message to the Grammys. Uh, this is one of the biggest artists, especially the hottest artist right now in a rap category that's saying you're not listening to me you're not uh putting my music into the forefront and of you're not listening to anybody like yeah really and so weekend. i'm done playing ball i'm gonna take it away that it that could be something that that's happening what also could be happening is you know like you said the stuff with the uh, astral world happened okay, um, yeah. which could be a little bit of a i've seen that uh, thing around. Yeah, people think like because of the bad press of Astroworld, maybe Drake just wants to step back from the public in general. Um, I think that's a little bit of a stretch personally I because um, I I think that for the most part, Drake has actually been pretty safe uh, press wise from yeah, that event. He's completely skirted that. Yeah, like, in my and, opinion, and I don't I don't think that's really a factor when it comes to this. I, I do I do think it's more of like a pride thing with Drake where it's like, okay, I, I don't care anymore. I'm one of the biggest artists. I don't need this award to dictate whether I'm a huge artist or not. So I'm just going to do it myself. And what's interesting to me is like Drake is doing this, but what if other people follow, especially bigger artists who are getting named? What if we have like uh, a mass exit? Yeah, a mass exit of artists who who, you know, they get nominated but then like you know more and more artists every year just say no i'm good well it's like when we were talking about them adding the nominees and i kind of made up the idea for i said like if the public clearly because of the grammys numbers were so low last year the lowest the grammys have ever been viewership wise if the public's not believing it the only side that you have believing it is this industry folks so if the industry folks are gone what is left you yeah, know, like then the Grammys well, really lose their validity. And that's the thing is like a lot of people in the industry don't take Grammys seriously. They take they take it seriously for you know, if you're up for a Grammy that's amazing, you're going to get album sales from that, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get placement afterwards on that. It could be career changing for sure. But I I do think there is a general disdain for the Grammys uh because they've created such a bad environment over the years right um that they're now trying to change supposedly and like distinctly worse in my opinion than a lot of other award shows oh yeah absolutely like if you look at an oscars or an emmys it seems like more of like you know obviously they have their critics they have uh, honestly a lot of the same criticism that the grammys are dealing with but 
they kind of, in my opinion, especially from television and movies, seem to have like a, oh, this is to honor people. Like, it's to bring people up or to yeah. bring movies up and stuff like that. But the Grammys seem to have the exact opposite where it's like, you're bringing people down by not including them severely. And that's mm-hmm. the focus that seems to be in the forefront of everyone's mind. Yeah, I agree. I think it's much more, um, I mean, if we're just looking at the broad uh, scheme of how the Grammys work or really how music versus film works, right? Film is generally, you're going to have more people with a crew of people right? Uh, for a film. And it's, it's based that project. You're basically going to be working on that for like two years straight, like nonstop. Um, but when it comes to music, I mean, a lot of people are working on a lot of different projects at a time. Uh, these teams are a lot smaller, um, but it is very much collaborative and I've, I would almost argue more collaborative than, uh, the rest of the entertainment industry mm-hmm. because it is so dependent on raising each other up and it's, it's kind of been that way for a long time. Um, and I think people are kind of getting sick of, you know, their friends getting screwed over yeah. um, at these award shows and not getting the recognition they deserve and tired of playing the game. And at a certain point, if you get to be Drake level and you have a choice of, do I really need to play this game or not? Like, do yeah, I financially I'm the need one this person in yeah, the world? Then no. fuck it. Who cares? I don't want to do it, you know? Yeah. And so it, it seems to me that it's like, this isn't that big of a, you know, maybe in like, decades ago this would have been a big thing to drake but this is such a big thing to the grammy so i'll go into this and you can give your thoughts about it as well as i really do think this is a bad bad time for the grammys to have this happen to them especially when we've talked about before they've got rid of the nomination committees they've tried to appear more inclusive they've tried to have more of an open voting schedule they've tried to show how they're trying to include many different acts of diverse backgrounds into the grammys there's even more you know nominees than there's ever been so to have someone now vocally be like nah i'm backing out even though you've done all of this you know, maybe even they don't even know, you know, Drake may not even know as much as the Grammys have done. Not that I'm trying to defend them severely here, but like the idea is like, this is a very pivotal moment for them to try to be like, we've changed our leaf. And this giant press event, I mean, I've seen this everywhere with Drake and people being like, see, Grammys are finally getting taken down. People are finally making their stand like Drake here. And a lot of people don't know, oh, maybe the Grammys are actually trying a super, you know, new system, you know, development of their system. Mm -hmm. So like, again, we'll have to see how that I'm personally interested in how it affects who gets voted and all that kind of stuff and who wins. I think that's going to be honestly one of the most telling things is if you have more of a diversification there. But I think this is a blow to the Grammys in a big way, Mm -hmm. Um, especially literally where, you know, T minus at January 31st, so like less than a month and a half while we're recording this to uh, the Grammy start date. It's like, honestly, some of the most press I've seen about the Grammys is Drake being like, this is stupid. You shouldn't be a part of it. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing is like, I, I really just coming back to like, what if people just walk away, right? you know, in the future, then that takes a lot of power away from the Grammys and they become less relevant and less... Uh, accurate of like what popular music and what good popular music is at that point. Yeah. And so it, it really is an important, you're right. This is like the worst time for it to happen. But I also think this is a pivotal moment because it's, I think the Grammys are really, really trying to claw their way back to people's consciousness mm-hmm. and, uh, and, um, on the people's good side. And they're really having a hard time getting yeah. footing. Basically, I also just want to add one thing before I also am agreeing with Joe. I have seen a lot of people talking about this is him trying to get away from Astroworld. And I sincerely do not believe that. I just don't think it is either. Because like, to be honest, he just he really didn't get involved with like, I think any of that. I stuff. think I have a theory that it might he, have a couple lawsuits. He was. But. Yeah, he's named in lawsuits like we've talked about on the show. But I feel like at a public perception he is getting the least flack out of the participants that were there. And I feel like he didn't need to do this if that's what it was for. Uh, But at the end of the day, I I feel like he, like it wasn't that 
crazy of a crisis for him personally. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about Travis Scott or Live Nation that are getting sued for billions of dollars now. But uh, specifically, Drake did not need like something to shield himself. Yeah, I mean, and too, Drake wasn't putting on the event, which is yeah. a huge, massive difference. Especially there. in the eyes of the public. Yeah, um, Drake, in, in the way the booking works, like Drake's a guest on on his on travis's bill on the live nation bill on the live nation bill yeah and like to be honest uh, did he even have a full set or did he just uh he just appeared on travis's set right yeah so in a lot of cases those vip artists they'll they'll just show up for a couple songs and then they'll dip they'll take their you know thousands take of their, dollars they'll take leave. their yeah their settlement and they'll they'll get out <laughs> like, well, okay so, so i think that's good on drake but let's talk about this taylor swift jack antonoff saint vincent thing because yeah. i thought to be honest like this was more for me. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be like, Oh, you know, all the copyright stuff that's going on now where people are like, you were part of my song. You were part of my song. And people were just getting all their, you know, rights for it. And maybe they didn't, you know, deserve it. Um, like almost like a Marvin gay blurred line situation in my opinion. But I think they should be credited. Like, yeah. I mean, I, if they are willing, if they are legally allowed to get money from her, specifically Olivia Rodrigo with sour that they have to get paid out to them. There are enough songwriters, like enough of being an active songwriter that they should be awarded for. This. Also, how would you know if a person was an active songwriter, unless it was like this specific situation, because in a lot of times, in a lot of cases, if you're getting signed to some vast umbrella deal, right, you're going to have to have a, a producer's name on your on your song, even if that producer didn't even step into the room sometimes. I feel like they've. I, there's no reason, if you already have the songwriting credit, which they will, you know, we joke about how there's 50,000 songwriters on these songs and stuff, but at the same time, if you're not in that goddamn room or you don't have some legal claim to this, they will fight you tooth and nail not to put you in the song. Yeah. Credit. So, so if there's a, if you're on it, you're on it. You're on it for a reason. And yeah. most of the time, again, there are lawsuits that are like, Oh, what's going on? But like, clearly there's been an embrace from Rodrigo's camp and Taylor's camp to be like, yes, this is an interpolation. Like you're using, you know, some of the melodic and elements of this song and putting it in your one step forward, three steps back song. Yeah. So I feel like it's like, yeah, that's, that was an admittance that I just used because part of they, your song. Yeah. Just because they did the work earlier doesn't mean that they, it isn't impacting now. Right. And it, but that's my thing is like, they get the money from the publishing money, but they don't get the award. Like mm-hmm. what? That's so strange to me. Yeah. It's like legally they are now, they legally, they said you have this, you've done this song. It's very similar to our song. You admit that we'll come to a settlement on that. Do you think Rodrigo would, would say that on stage in terms of like this song is interpolated or, or or like uh, Taylor and Jack and you know, they should get, I, you know, I would be interested if, if Rodrigo wins specifically for the album category and went up there, I would, I don't know. I could definitely see them, kind of doing a middle ground if that makes sense by saying like obviously i want to thank you know my mother my father god whatever and then be (laughs) like uh i also want to thank my influences specifically taylor swift and you know maybe the work of jack antonoff (laughs) like i would i can imagine her like doing like a subtle almost like a wink at the camera like you know, like, yeah, you know what like I a mean. little, little slide in there. But like, also, I don't know what her situation is. If like, we, we theorized on the show way back that maybe this stuff with her and Taylor is like coordinated to be like, let's not get into a giant legal battle. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, you know, be like, we came to an agreement and we still like each other as people, which could be true, but I don't know Rodrigo's real feelings about this. She could be like, no, that wasn't close, but I had to give it to them and I wasn't going to start a big fight legally in the press and be like, fuck Taylor or something Yeah, because I like her as a person, you know? So I don't know. It would be, I would literally be like screaming at my TV. If, if she did, I would be like, good for you. Like, it, oh God, that was the worst pun in the world. <laughs> I just realized that. I think we found our clip. Oh God. <laughs> When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Moving on, uh, what do you think is like the biggest venue you can think of, Colin? Like in scale? Yeah, in scale. Like, like where? Seats. You, what do you? Th- yeah. Um, What's the venue that comes it's to mind? Be like a stadium, I would assume, like some giant international like stadium where they do soccer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, something crazy, right? Yeah, like you're having ten, like hundreds of thousands of people in there. Or, yeah. Well, guess what? The biggest venue was this past no, it was year. Not. No, it was Red not. Rocks Amphitheater. <laughs> I was the biggest earner globally. It was. It's the biggest venue of like global earning venue in the world colin isn't that insane i don't think people realize quite how insane this is so viewed as an underdog venue by the industry red rocks amphitheater in colorado has beaten out massive venues such as madison square garden in new york city and t-mobile arena in las vegas by selling a total of nine hundred ninety six thousand tickets thus making it the most successful venue globally this year just to put it that into perspective how big of a deal this is, the capacity for Red Rocks is about 9,000 people, while Ma- while Madison Square Garden is 20,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. And Red Rocks uh, beat Madison Square Garden out by a massive 750,000 tickets. 750,000 tickets. Okay, this is what I was wondering. So you're telling me, I thought when you said, like, most successful venue i thought it was going to be like a profit margin thing or something they're beating them out by tickets by tickets and you know how much they made this year they made 61.6 million dollars nice that's insane for a venue this size 
So it was very successful, but the venue did struggle with increasing their staffing, especially in the security department, which forced fans to experience longer than normal lines and slower processes during the concerts. However, fans were obviously not deterred and continued to support and attend concerts at the venue. So like the big question is like, how did this little, I guess not little, but how did this like medium sized venue beat out these global giants of other venues. Well, the thing is during the reopening of venues from the pandemic, Red Rocks has something over the rest of the world's venues. It's completely outside. Therefore, it followed COVID protocols much easier than most other oh, venues around the world. What's going on. Yeah. Okay. And so they were able to increase capacity faster than most venues around the world could have. So Red Rocks is also considered one of the most historical venues in the U.S. as it is part of like a venue as well as a park. And it was made in 1906. And since then, uh, performers have been wanting to come and perform at Red Rocks because of the natural acoustics, which, of course, most concerts now use like modern PA systems. But the notoriety of the venue is still very much present with a lot of uh, tourists coming from around the globe to see concerts there. Yeah. So although Billboard didn't get into the specifics of pricing of each ticket, I also believe that generally Red Rocks is pricier than most other amphitheaters because you're paying not only for the talent, but also to experience the space as well. So Colin, we discussed earlier this year about the impact of like demand has for live music in like, the industry, but would you have seen this coming at all? Like Red Rock specifically being the most attended. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was interesting to see like, again, at the end of the day, I definitely think like what you're saying, COVID was the reason that this was a possibility. I think. Yeah. Um, obviously these people had to also work their ass off. I mean, I just looked at Madison square gardens capacity. If it was at full capacity, which it's not going to be because of COVID it had 20,000 people. So they would be doubling their number if they both had it's, sold yeah. out shows. It's that. And also like you have to think of lockdown procedures of each state. You have to think of the fact that it's a, it's an outdoor venue as opposed to an indoor venue, which it really did though, open the door, you know, COVID and COVID protocols really did open the like possibility of them because they didn't have obviously the numbers straight up from the capacity, but they had a system down that was allowed to happen that other, you know, cities weren't as specifically Madison square garden is in New York city, which has one of the, you know, most strong COVID policies there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see that as well. I definitely think this is a win for red rocks because of the publicity and it's just going to add on. But I also wanted to, you know, hit this is red rocks is one of the few venues in terms of modern venues that actually has like an allure to itself because it's, it's funny because me and Joe, we're both trained classically, but in different things in terms of like musicianship. So when I was coming up in the classical world, that's normal, but it's not, if you think about it, it's not as normal in uh, modern music, like a contemporary. Yeah. Setting. So like, let's think if you're a classical musician, you want to play a Carnegie, a Kennedy center, all that, you know, those are like, wow, you have the, but you don't really have that. You're like, which giant plastic box would you like to play Billie Eilish? <laughs> you know, like, that's what I feel like. It's like, would you like to play the 30,000 one? Would you like to play the dumbest arena name of all time? Crypto.com, yeah. you know, like, and so that's what I'm saying is it seems to me that Red Rocks in a modern age is one of the few venues that I know and people know, and they don't even have to like really be in the area or like be like, Oh, this is just, you know, a giant spot. I can barely name like other arenas and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that are that historic. I mean, the only other one I can think, which I wouldn't even, I would put it in a different league because it has different parameters. It's like a, the Ryman here is a good example. Cause yeah. for country music specifically, it's such a, you know, giant historical spot. landmark. Yeah. And I feel like red rocks is that, but instead of being genre locked as much as the Ryman is, it's open to all. They're like, Oh wow. It's so beautiful here. There's nothing else that looks like this mm-hmm. in the same way that like in the classical world, you're like, Oh, it's a Carnegie hall. There's nothing that's particularly like this. Yeah. Um, my favorite uh, thing is like, uh, my sister, she lives in Colorado and uh, she goes to Red Rocks all the time. <laughs> I remember one time, you know, she's like, yeah, the acoustics are so great. It's amazing. 
And guess which concert she went to go see? Oh God, what? Skrillex. Nice. <laughs> yes, the modern, the 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 natural acoustics really carry Skrillex, Skrillex. throughout the. No Skrillex tape, but Call it is funny. Call nine one one now. Yeah, as it echoes through. The- <laughs> I just God. <laughs> yeah, I uh, that 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 is really funny to think of like artists like that and be like. You know, that hi-fi scenario. This is so beautiful. And it's yeah, just like... this venue is just so beautiful and serene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but do you think that uh, Red Rocks is going to be able to carry this into next year? I don't know about the title. I don't think so. Because currently, unless Omicron stops something... Yeah, that's what um, I'm kind of thinking about. If That's the only thing I can think of. But currently... My, you know, hope is that we're full steam ahead and like things don't have to go and, you know, giant COVID procedures anymore and more people get the vaccine, I hope. So yeah. on that timeline, I guess, is that I don't think they would have a way of competing. But in that scenario, if we had to go back into lockdown and more COVID procedures and stuff like that, yeah, I could see it again because of, you know, you have this factor again, the notoriety that a lot of these other venues don't and you're in a state that we've actually covered before that has less covid protocols uh remember i I can't remember it must have been like 10 or 15 episodes ago i was talking about that festival that occurred right over the border of colorado and all that kind of stuff yeah like i I believe colorado had a little bit laxer in terms of especially new york i can say that without without yeah because new york had some of the highest but you have so much open space too out in Colorado. Yeah. And the idea of it being outdoors is obviously mm-hmm. like way, way easier on COVID concerns than inside, unless you want to, you know, do some giant upgrade to an arena like yeah. that for that. But then people are going to be like, this is just a transient event. COVID will eventually maybe go away. So I'm not going to spend like half a million dollars on some crazy HVAC unit that goes all the way through. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I think yes and no. I think if COVID you know, came back and we were on lockdown again. Yeah. But I don't think, again, like Madison Square Garden is doubling what they're doing a night if they're selling out. So So once things kind of come back full steam ahead, it'll probably... Even out. But I do think it's a great feat, you know. Yeah, they they definitely took advantage, I think. And uh, from what it seems like, you know, people were lining up left and right to book here, and I think they just had a, an insane amount of shows a week. That's the other thing we didn't talk about. Obviously, if you're a band and you're still trying to play, and it was like more COVID central, Red Rocks is probably on the you know docket as one of well, the not few only that, ten thousand minus outdoor venues that's set up and nice. Yeah, in a recorded setting too. Right, people want to play at Red Rocks and record their sets at Red Rocks. Yeah, so, I remember Wolfpack did that same thing, and a bunch of other bands have done that same thing before because they just really like the you know the aesthetic and the acoustic stuff in there. Yeah, which I've talked to people who mixed in there, and they say it's very interesting. It's like a very unique sound because it you know reflects off the actual rock, the rock. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's it it's just got its own kind of sound that people aren't used to. So go, but man, I can't believe that, man. This is just so serene. It's so nice out here. Branch. (laughs) Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. 
If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get on to the next thing. Spotify wrapped. Let's talk about this. Ooh, I love Spotify wrapped, Colin. Okay, I do love it. Unless you're a YouTube music user like me and you can't do shit. I still haven't got, I made that TikTok, which you may have seen on my TikTok about me bitching about YouTube music, not having anything like this. Still have not got the crappy YouTube music feature, by the way, that is supposed (laughs) to be kind of like the rap. Still don't have it, even though they say I should have it. Anyway. It's coming in the mail. Yeah, that's how slow it's coming. (laughs) Anyway, I want to talk about Spotify rap because Spotify wrapped, I feel like is a huge thing for our industry in terms of getting you know, great notoriety for all these different artists and all that kind of stuff, especially in the lower songs. It's, it's pretty insane. Like when, you know, if some random little act or something is your favorite song, you're basically giving publicity to everyone that, you know, when you put it on your Facebook page or Instagram page and being like, Oh wow, this song is so good. This was this person's number one song. Yeah. It's gotta be good. I want to listen to it. So like, that's why I want to talk about it. And I, We'll get into like my little poll that I did about it because I wanted to know y'all's opinions, which I do it on Instagram and Twitter if you're more of a Twitter user. So I was looking at this and I was like, we have to look at this data of how it works. And Billboard did a pretty good article about it. So the three most anticipated rap statistics, obviously, like I was alluding to, are the top five artists, the top five songs, and the top five albums. And this is pretty straightforward. It's based on the number of total streams. So a stream is when a user has listened to a song for at least 30 seconds. So it's not just like clicks. Yeah. So that seems pretty... Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate, right? If you were, here's the other thing I want to bring up before I get into this. Spotify Rap makes obviously makes the assumption when they especially publish. There's these personal stats that you have, so like Joe's account, like what Joe's listened to, and then they have overall lists, and they're kind of calculated different. But the way that Spotify Rap, because it comes out every year, makes it seem like it should be a pretty accurate estimation of like who's big, who's not, especially in the overall list. But I wanted to show you maybe some biases if you're going to try to look through this data. So overall, uh, like the overall charts, let's say like the big top fives and all that kind of stuff that is calculated from everybody is actually only calculated from January 1st through November 27th, which makes sense because they have to compile the data. And then apparently the personal ones, they don't even give a date when it stops. They just say it's a few weeks before the launch. So like, I'm assuming it's probably around the middle of November, if not the early Novembers. Mm -hmm. Um, Then this is where the bias kind of starts, which is interesting to look at. So 
with that in mind that this has some bias to it because of the release window, uh, songs that are released earlier in the window have an advantage for obvious reasons. They have months and months to rack up streams. So for instance, the number one stream song on Spotify was driver's license by Olivia Rodrigo. And other than it having crazy breakout success, it may be on here because it's honestly probably the best date for it to be to chart on this chart specifically because mm-hmm. it was released January 8th. So the number two one is Montero, uh, call me by your name, which wasn't released until three months later. Hmm. So obviously you can go, well, one song might have a lot more hype and breakthrough even because of that. But Olivia Rodrigo innately is going to have more streams. Most of the time, let's say they have the same popularity because they're three months before. Yeah. So that can impact a lot of like all this data in here. Although it can also work the other way where you rise into prominence in the year. A good example of this is the levitating remix uh, by Dua Lipa, which features the baby, which was released in 2020, but then came back up into the first half to be in the top five songs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what's interesting is m- maybe some of you are like screaming at your phone right now thinking, well, Colin, obviously if you're not on this year's list, you're going to be on next year's like, cause that's just how it works. So you don't fit in there. You'll just be in the next year. Then like, there's no bias. Well, here's the thing. The last six weeks of the year, they don't count at all. So at all, at all, at all, at all. Doesn't <laughs> like doesn't accrue. Yeah. Uh, traditionally they don't like count it. Wow. From re- I mean, maybe they'll change next year. Who knows? But like they just don't count it. So, so uh, we could all be streaming crazy crazy weird shit we could get you know aqua by barbie girl to be the number one song (laughs) on spotify and no one would know no one would know only we would (laughs) and i don't know what solace we would get from that anyway (laughs) here's a good example of albums that might get a little bit messed up from this is adele's 30 which was released right on the edge of the cutoff shit so so some managers like god damn it well <laughs> obviously this this you know this is a giant advertising event this might be another thing to consider if you're releasing a giant album for an artist because you get even more press from it because it literally goes to everyone's phones yeah what's better than a mailing list you know what i mean <laughs> literally it goes straight to your phone of the app you use all the time so it could negatively affect them but i mean billboard and i were also going to assert that Adele has the ability to just also just be crazy in terms of like rotations later on in the year when they start counting it. Mm-hmm. But this could affect severely smaller creators. Let's say if somebody was having a breakout song during this time, I guess if you listen to Christmas music, whatever, sorry, Mariah Carey, you're not getting on here no matter what. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, it, it's Wait, weird. you're not listening to your song in July. Okay, I do listen to some Mariah Carey. <laughs> okay, but let's keep I moving. Thought. Anyway, <laughs> uh, another thing that uh, people were talking about, which I thought was really interesting, is uh, the top albums category seems straight enough. Like, you don't think there'd be any problems with we just count the amount of streams for the album. But think about that a little bit deeper. It counts the track streams. So, in a way, it favors albums that are longer. Yeah. So if you have a, you know, maybe more of like an album that's thematic or conceptual, some examples are saying like CLB and Donda, which are up there, uh, because they have so many tracks and they encourage people to listen through, you know, like experience Donda, for example, they would probably have, they have a better chance of being in the upper top albums compared to other artists that maybe are a collection of just singles that are like, this song's pretty good. This song's pretty good. As opposed to, you know, telling your fan base, Oh no, this is a thematic thing. You want to listen to all the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly is a really obvious one is artists with longer careers and especially the artist category. If you just have more repertoire to listen to, then you're going to just accumulate streams bigger. You know what I mean? So, for instance, that's why you saw no Olivia Rodrigo, which it's kind of, you get in this whole gray area about top five artists. And if you think of Rapt as the year in review, I don't know if that's that accurate. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, mm-hmm. because it's like Olivia Rodrigo was such a big thing for this year. So for her not to be in that category whatsoever 
it's kind of strange. But then you think about it, like how's she going to compete with a Justin Bieber who has been, you know, literally going since 13 years old and now is in his twenties. What are you going to do? You know what I mean? So that's kind of the whole thing with it is that I think it really brings up with any chart, but especially uh, the Spotify charts. And I will also go into billboard charts as well. And all the other various charts you see on a Rolling Stone, you really have to look at the data and how it's collected. Like you don't have to be a statistician, you know, and be like, Oh, I look through all this comb through all this data, but you will see crazy different statistics based on how the data is taken. I mean, that's how you literally get bias and, you know, in some cases, malicious data, obviously for more serious things in life, but also could be for this, which is also me and you's favorite joke, which is, you know, I won the best country, uh, Neanderthal award in lower Tennessee. Like it's like, okay, <laughs> I was on the adjectives. top 10 Neanderthal country album chart. Right. <laughs> I don't know why Neanderthal call in my head, but here we are <laughs> anyway. But like I did ask people, I said, is Spotify Raptor, Spotify's top artists, albums, songs, etc., an actual, an accurate depiction of success slash uh, popularity, which the Instagram people, most of them said no. Um, I, I believe it was about 70%, uh, 80% of them said no to mm-hmm. that, which is good, but it is 20% of them do think that. So there's, you know, if we, if we expand that out, you could have, you know, close to a good majority of people that think, Oh, this is what everybody, you know, almost a bandwagon effect where this is what everybody else is listening to. I should be listening to it too, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily like, as much a year in review as you want it to. Yeah. I I do think that it does definitely, and you could probably expand about this more. It is really helping, you know, the rich get richer in terms of like the way the advertising is and the way the data is collected. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, favoritism is, is rampant in the streaming industry in general, but, um, I, for sure, I, I do think it's just skewed to what, it thinks you're gonna be doing. You know what I mean? Even like, I I feel like even, you know, I wonder with some of the stuff it's showing you of like the popularity stuff, uh, if it's it's skewing to you. Yeah. Cause like, it's like, oh, well this, this user has a higher percentage chance that they're actually going to click and listen to this record as opposed to this person. I could see that. I could also see, Hey, we know you like this person already. Maybe if I show you this stat of like how they're really popular among other people, you might be like, "Oh, I'll listen to that again." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, oh, I mean, it already does that to me, right? Like I'm it sure, shoves it down my throat. Especially like I feel like Olivia Rodrigo would be a good example of this with you know those songs all in there. They came out last year in January. They're still being played, but obviously they're going to have a natural dip because time has passed. Mm-hmm. But now, because of the Spotify wrapped, I'm sure her numbers have gone up in terms of like how many people are coming daily and all that kind of stuff because people see it. And, and they're like, I want to listen to that again. And right. And they go back to their 2021 playlist and then they click on her. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to stress is like, that's why I want to talk about the biases is specifically this is because Spotify wrapped for a lot of people, I, in my opinion, feels like a year in review of what's going on, but it's not as straightforward as people think. And there's some parameters that just affect different types of music in different ways. Mm -hmm. So mostly in the overall charts, I will say usually your specific Spotify is a little bit less biased because it's mostly just counting numbers, but you know, you're you and your friends and your friends, friends are creating hundreds of advertisements for these artists basically by being like, Hey, isn't this fun? I think my mom sent me it, which is really funny to say. She sent like Spotify has found a way to be like, Oh cool. We're collecting your data. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> else is against it, but if it's Spotify, oh, yeah, but sick. Colin, they give us a cool graph. They give us cool Side graphs at note. the end of Can the we end of, talk about that fucking... The graphic design? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Everyone is going in on the graphic design, and I it, will, I will no, be no, honest. No. Everyone's going in on the one slide of okay, graphic Okay, yeah, design. and you know what? I, I remember seeing a TikTok of a graphic artist actually t- like defending it because they were saying, like, you know, graph graphic design is supposed to be freeing. Well, like you're wait. supposed to, like, it's an art form, and you don't really have to, like, be like held down by the standards, but like everyone else was like, yeah, but it still like looks 
bad. And we're specifically <laughs> talking about the genre page. Yeah, where it has the squish text, and then you, next to it is the actual text. And like it's supposed to mimic like a graph, but it doesn't look good enough. You know what I mean? Right. Like it doesn't. It doesn't bode well. I would have liked the bars, and then like a stylized text to the side or something. That's all I wanted. Were or the bars? Would have been cool. Is like a photo inside of it would have been cool or something like yeah. that. Or like a design to be like this is indie rock, and maybe it was like a bunch of guitars or something in the thing. I don't know. Yeah, um, something a little bit cooler than whatever the hell that font was. Also, very much enjoy everyone making fun of like you understood the assignment. You know, like <laughs> all that kind of stuff where it's like, all right. Back off. Like, <laughs> I just want to see what my stats are. I don't need to see this the entire time. <laughs> my favorite was the Aura page. Oh, my God. I, I looked at it. I, like, I, I shit you not, Colin. I looked at that page, and I go, is something supposed to happen? Or <laughs> supposed am to I just go? looking at this color brick? <laughs> right. Oh, man. I just... I don't understand. Anyway, I mean, it works. It clearly works. It's like people still can, posted those graphics, right? We can still. Uh, I will say that I did not see the genre one as heavy, but uh, for <laughs> obvious reasons, not for just the graphic design, because people are going to be like, "Well, you listen to Bubblegum Pop a lot, isn't that sweet?" No, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's it, it's a huge part of our industry now. Um, YouTube music. It's a huge part of it, and I need you to do some shit for it. Or honestly, I'll defend my Apple bros here. Apple people, like, I don't understand <laughs> why they don't just do are it sweating. As well They're either. like, please, please give us cool graphs. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, Millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. 
No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Colin, what have you been listening to this week? Oh, man. Um, first off, I, uh, I'll talk about uh, Wolfpack has a new song that I really like um, that they release on their YouTube in Wolfpack fashion. That's literally, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, very funk as always, but it's like the older stuff, which I really like. Uh, I'm not as big a fan as like stuff that's kind of past the beautiful game and like the hill climber and Mr. Finish line are less of my jam than more of like the instrumental funk stuff. I'm more of a fugue state guy, but like <laughs> it is a constantly in a fugue it's super. State. Yeah. It's super like for lack of a better term, it's super Mimi kind of music to be honest. Cause it's just like literally the video is like them playing this, you know, very funky eighties, nineties kind of like, it sounds like it should be coming out of like a VCR like song. <laughs> and literally the, what they did for the video is it's just nineties models just walking up and being like given the cat eyes and, and then they walk. <laughs> it's all, that's all it is. It's not new footage. It's not like they shot it. It's old footage that they just found for it. Um, the other one, I really like is a song that um, my spouse showed me uh, from TikTok, but also uh, our friend Hunter really likes is Pink Pony Club. Um, Ooh, interesting name. Yes, it. I for it, funny enough is uh, my spouse was just like singing the song like Pink Pony Club, and I was like what are you saying right now? Like we we're just in the car and they were like, just there's no. this song. Yeah, there was no con. It wasn't like we were talking about ponies or just the color dead pink silence or and the then club. Pink pony club. Right. And so uh, I, their name is Chappelle Rowan is I believe how that's pronounced. And uh, they, the pink pony club is pretty cool. I like it. It sounds really stupid, but they like, kind of roll into the absurdity, but you really get like what they're trying to say out of it. It's just about having fun and like being yourself kind of and being using, a pink pony being at a pink a pony club is like the whole thing. And they even play on like how stupid of a term that is, which <laughs> is what I like about it. But it was, it's very new. It's from 2020. Um, and, uh, I honestly was like, how have I not heard this song before? Um, it's very vibey, vibey. And it's like, you know, it starts out as this like piano solo kind of song. And then it just like evolves into this greater, you know, giant regular pop song with synths and stuff. So I dig it. Yeah. Sick. It, it's almost like a pink pony club yeah, sound. That's you know? it. That's how I describe it. Hell yeah. Well, I've been listening like a lot of people to the new Joshua Bassett EP, um, which if you want some, uh, Olivia Rodrigo tea, uh, maybe you should check it out. You know, that was if you're, the, uh, if you're in on that. that she dated, she dragged basically. And then yeah, he that's came out the as by, he came out as by afterwards. And then like, yeah, it was like, it's very, it's very messy. It's all over the place. It's, I will say the songs are great. Okay. Uh, he has an interesting voice and he, he also has a very like interesting way of enunciating, like the way he says crisis and stuff. And I think it would turn some people off of it, but I actually kind of like it. Cause it's like, I don't yeah. know. It's like, it's just an interesting way uh, for him to sing. Uh, not as intense as, you know, the Olivia Rodrigo stuff. It's more of just like him being like, please leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask for this. Please, please girl, leave me please. alone. Uh, according to him, she broke up with him. Uh, but you know, you can just check that out for yourself. Uh, but listening to that, listening to the new radicals, we love the new radicals. We do. Um, and, uh, oh Yeah. Big news, the new Mitski stuff dropped. Oh, finally? Yeah, yeah listening to that. Uh, Heart Lightning, the only heartbreaker. It's only four songs. For the knife. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Colin, I, I guess, should we just head to the Pink Pony Club and <laughs> kind of debrief from a long day of uh, yeah. Grammy battles? And yeah, just keep on dancing at the Pink Pony Club. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening to the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. We really appreciate it. If you would download the episodes, follow us on the various social media, you're going to guess it. It's the Biz Tape. Joe, are you surprised about that, that we got that handle? I am a little surprised, actually. There wasn't so many Biz Tapes out there. Yeah, yeah. I thought there would be an abundance of Yeah, right. Biz, I thought we were going to be like Biz Tape 683. <laughs> it's like a gamer tag. Right. Uh, <laughs> Big 
Biz Tape 683-420-69. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.